Good morning, Centerway Church. I'm Deidre. And I'm Tara. And we are so happy to be welcoming you and gathering online together. Hello to everyone on our Sunday morning live platform, including those in watch parties, and hello to those watching or listening later on. And a special welcome to those of you joining us for the very first time. Hopefully, even online, you feel at home here. You're about to hear some information that we talk through each week so that you, our guests, and everyone else know a little about what to expect as we gather and how to engage if you're on the live platform. Yeah. First, if you or someone you know needs assistance or prayer, we'd love to help you in any way that we can. Also, if you have ideas on ways to serve each other in this unique season, please email us at connect at centerweightchurch.com. Second, we encourage you to check out the resources we have to go along with the message you're about to hear. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey or what age you are, there's something to keep you moving forward and going deeper. A few things I'll point out are the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals, which you can sign up for on the Next Steps page of the website. There are wallpapers to remind you of the weekly application question and a message just for kids. That's right. Our Centerway kids get to learn the the exact same scripture, but with kid-friendly content. If you have kids in your home, discussing the application question as a family is a great way to grow and be a mission together. By the way, our team has been praying for all the kids, students, and parents this week as we've started school again. Please feel free to reach out if there's any way we can help you. Yeah. If you'd like to share your info with us, give, take next steps, find previous messages, share this message, or request prayer, you can do so on the live platform or on the website if you're watching or listening to this later. Before we wrap up here, we're starting a new series today. And if you're a guest or not on our mailing list and would like a journal uh, to go with this series, just email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Deidre, there's something else that's pretty amazing happening today. What is it? Uh, Centerway is turning two! Our two-year anniversary <laughs> celebration is today, Sunday the 13th. After the online gathering, stay with us for worship, live on Instagram or Facebook. But after that, you'll have to ha have plenty of time to head over to the Victor Municipal Park at noon, where we're providing you with a free lunch. Two of our food truck friends will be there serving food for a couple of hours, and you're welcome to stay all afternoon to enjoy the benefits of the park itself, and of course, being with each other. That's right, and it's rain or shine. Mm. We're not letting a little rain keep us from being together or from yummy free food. We know that there are some new faces that have connected while online. We'd love to meet you. If you aren't aware of the details yet, you can find them on the calendar page of our website. Here's what to expect today. Jeff will be reading the scripture text for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then you'll hear some ways to respond in worship. Immediately after the message, join us on Instagram or Facebook to respond through song. Then we hope to see you at our celebration. Here's Jeff to read the text for us. What's up, Centerway? My name's Jeff, and I'll be doing the scripture reading this week. If you'd like to follow along, you can find it in Mark 1, verses 1 through 11. The beginning of the gospel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. 
And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Good morning and welcome. My name is Claude and uh, my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church. Super excited that you're able to join us this morning as we begin a brand new series called Question and Answer. And this morning's message is entitled The Wilderness. Question and Answer, The Wilderness. Um, as you just heard, we're beginning in Mark chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. And so this marks our kind of uh, first time through a gospel here at Centerway. We're really excited about it. Today is actually an important day because it marks Centerway's two-year anniversary. Um, if you're joining us live, I hope you're able to, to join us in person as we celebrate later on today. Um, it's incredibly humbling to see what the Lord has done in and through Centerway Church over the last two years. It seems like it's flown by. It's absolutely unbelievable. And um, it seems fitting in many ways that we celebrate um, while starting our first series in a gospel, but none other than the gospel of Mark, which um, much like Centerway, is unapologetically about the person and work of Jesus Christ. He's a hard-hitting, fast-paced uh, author, and uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this journey as we begin this morning. Um, it begins this morning um, with us kind of finding ourselves in a unique season, as you all very well know. Um, it seems like every day there's a new headline about something out there. There's breaking news, um, uh, whether it's politics or something with the pandemic or something like that. It seems like there's always some type of news on the horizon. And I can remember moments of my life that were informed by like breaking news that had profound impact on my life. I mean, obviously, um, as a parent, I, I, we have three children and I remember, uh, discovering, uh, you know, taking that pregnancy test and being like, Oh my gosh, we're pregnant. We're pregnant. I didn't take the test just so you're clear. Like my wife took it, but I was there when we read it. And anyway, um, but that, that moment of like, Oh my gosh, we're pregnant. And that news just, it changes everything. Like immediately your wallet just starts shrinking and your anxiety starts increasing. No, I'm kidding. Like it was just, it was an amazing moment that marked our lives personally. But then there's other breaking news moments that affect our culture beyond just kind of that personal impact, but like everyone. Perfect example is 9-11. Um, 9-11, uh, September 11th, 2001. Like you remember where you were if you were alive and cognizant during that time. Like you remember where you were when you heard that news. It just marks us. There are moments where breaking news impacts every area and facet of our lives. And then there's other types of news. Like I remember uh, if you're not an NBA fan, then you won't really know what it is that I'm talking about. But I remember when LeBron James had like a, a big deal over whether or not he was going to be leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, and I remember him setting up this news conference and it was breaking news and, and him saying, I'm, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. And, and it was like this big deal. If you were a part of that world at all, you just remember kind of the ripple effect of that. I remember grown men, grown women just crying and like screaming, like as if, you know, they, they were going to be tortured or something 
something like, no, I remember people throwing uh, LeBron James jerseys and burning them in the street. It, it was ridiculous. I didn't care. I still don't care. Like that news had zero impact on my life. I just didn't care. I remember when it happened and for some people it was life altering, <laughs> but for most of us, I just didn't care. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, how do you respond to breaking news? How do you respond to breaking news? Well, the obvious answer is that we all react in some way, right? We all have a reaction. Even if we don't care, that is still a reaction. We all have a reaction to breaking news. So if we're all responding, then I want to ask you, how do you respond? More specifically, are you one to gather more information? When you hear news, are you like, I need to find out more information? Or are you one that, that responds kind of emotionally at first and then decides that they'll get information later on? Are you uh, the type of person that tends to be pessimistic? Like, this is the end of the world. I knew it. Here it comes. Or are you more optimistic? Like, as things are going wrong and breaking news is negative, you're like, listen, we're going to get through this. Things are going to be okay. Where do you kind of land? How do you respond? In this season, are you fatigued with the amount of breaking news? Are you just tired, almost annoyed when there's something new in politics, when there's something new in our society, when there's something new with the pandemic? Are you like, enough already? Or are you becoming obsessed with the news? Like every time there's a new thing, you're like, oh my gosh, what more? What more can I gather? How can I get more news? How can I get more information? No matter how you answered those questions this morning. One thing rings true for all of us as humans. We care about breaking news based on two things. First, who's delivering it. We care about breaking news based on who is delivering the news we're hearing. And then secondly, we care to the degree that it impacts us. That's it. Who's sharing the news? Can I trust this? Is it a valid source? And then secondly, does it affect me? Like, why should I care? Does it impact my life directly or not? Think about it. Fatigued or not, if something was happening concerning your school, concerning your classmates, your workplace, your neighborhood, or your family, all of a sudden, you're all ears. You're leaning in. You want to know more. Even though you're fatigued with information and breaking news, you care why? Because it's close to home. It matters to you. Well, that's exactly where the gospel according to Mark begins. Breaking news that has direct impact on all of humankind. And we should be all ears. It's creepy, right? All ears. I don't even know where that saying comes from. <laughs> all ears. The point is, we should all be listening and leaning in. But I think before we can really lean in and listen, we have to understand who's delivering it and why do we care? Does it have any impact on our lives? So verse one, Mark starts off in verse one and says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. I love the gospel for so many reasons. It's the shortest of the gospels as, as we'll hear, but some of the other gospels spend time setting up genealogy, um, setting up other things. Mark just jumps right in and says, I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to talk about the person and work of Jesus right up front. Now, I think, like I said, we need to gain a little context here so we can understand what's happening. Who's delivering this news? 
who's delivering the news and why should we care? So Mark is written by John Mark. So Mark is actually his last name. <laughs> he was the, the cousin of Barnabas and he was the same John Mark that accompanied the uh, apostle Paul on his first missionary journey. They had a falling out um, that was ultimately reconciled, but that's the same John Mark is the author right here. It's rather unanimously agreed upon. In Acts, we actually find that John Mark's uh, mother, her home was used as the main gathering place for one of the early churches um, in the first century. So he, he's widely believed to also be the young man uh, mentioned in chapter 14 of Mark that we'll get to who fled the night that Jesus was arrested. Um, spoiler alert, he's naked in that scene. So you'll want to stay connected to Mark for a whole lot of reasons. It's about to get interesting. So in either case, uh, we, we hear this person, uh, John Mark, he has a lot of credentials, if you will connected to the Apostle Paul, Barnabas, his mother hosts the early church. Um, he was present at Jesus's um, being arrested. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to kind of lean in. I say all of that because you might think, as I did when I first began kind of really exploring scripture, uh, actually in Bible college, as I started to unearth it, I was like, wait a second, um, Mark wasn't physically present for everything that he wrote about in the gospel? Does that make it not valid? Like, is it questionable? Uh, also, the, the book of Mark was, was written some 30 years after Jesus died and rose again. Like, why the span of time? Why wasn't it written right away? Is it less valid? All these things kind of start to, to creep in. And again, we have to remember context. We have to remember when and why this work was written originally. This was an oral society. And what that means is there was no reason to write things down. Everyone uh, witnessed what happened and they told the story. So it was a society very much based on eyewitness accounts. In fact, we, if you were with us at Centerway when we went through uh, Corinthians, you'll remember that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and actually challenged them, hey, find eyewitnesses. There were 500, over 500 is what Paul writes, over 500 people that Jesus revealed himself to, showed himself to in public after he had, he had died on a cross. And so he's saying, listen, he's risen again. Talk to those eyewitnesses. You know them. So there's no reason to write things down in this society until, until something happens in that society. And that's when eyewitnesses begin to die off. So historically, when eyewitnesses began to die off, then it became the burden of those people that were eyewitnesses remaining alive to begin to record the validity of whatever it is that took place so that generations following would know the truth about what took place. So that's what we see right here. People could begin to, to mislead and even decide for themselves who Jesus was. So the Gospels are, in fact, eyewitness and historical accounts woven together by different men through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Mark is believed to have been the first Gospel written and believed to be heavily influenced by the Apostle Peter's eyewitness accounts. So John Mark is with the Apostle Peter and actually writing down some of his eyewitness accounts. Mark is the shortest of the Gospels and like I already mentioned, right to the point. There's some huge, significant theological underpinnings that we'll do our best to skim on top of as they begin right in the beginning of, uh, of Mark, but realize we have the whole book to begin to unpack and dig a little deeper.
We'll see right here, verse 1, like I already read, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Boom. There it is. The person and work of Jesus. And then he moves on and he quotes Isaiah 40. This would have been significant to a Jewish crowd. And so he um, quotes Isaiah 40 in verses 2 through 3. Let's read that together. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He's making a correlation that the, the prophet Isaiah was actually talking about John the Baptist. And we'll see that moving forward. And, and this is key. This is critical because Mark is kind of connecting some theological underpinnings of uh, the Jewish culture to say, hey, listen, God, the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, his forerunner was John the Baptist. So our American eyes and ears are kind of missing something critical here, in my opinion. <laughs> if you go back to the original Hebrew passage itself, the word translated as Lord. Our Bibles say Lord. In the original text, it says Yahweh, Yahweh, which is the personal covenant name that God revealed to Moses in the wilderness. So get this. Original believers in Jesus, the people who would originally read the Gospel of Mark, were Jewish, including Mark himself. What you may not know is that Yahweh could not be spoken. It wasn't allowed to be spoken. It would be a heresy, a big deal in Jewish culture to even speak the words Yahweh, let alone write it down. You couldn't write it in their culture. And yet here, Mark is writing down the name of Yahweh because Lord has come to be with us in the person and work of Jesus. He is pushing in all the chips on this. So the, the reality is it's still true today in Orthodox uh, Jewish communities. You're not allowed to say the word Yahweh. Something else that we should know is that God becoming a human was against everything they had ever been taught their entire lives. Think about that. Nowhere in the Pentateuch, nowhere in the Old Testament does it say that Jesus would come and become human, would be human. That wasn't clearly communicated in their Jewish temples. They were taught that the Messiah would come as one to overthrow, they believed, overthrow the Roman government. And so they were waiting for the Messiah to come in as a, a full, clear deity. And so the idea that God would come as a person, fully man, fully God. Now we know, for those of us in Christendom, realize the critical nature of the incarnation that Jesus was man. But in this culture, it would have been blasphemy for Mark to say that a, a person was God, was the son of God. Jesus caused them to question everything. Caused them to question everything and yet simultaneously became the answer to everything. You think you, uh, you might have hurdles in believing God this morning? your hurdles pale in comparison to the first century Jews. They would be labeled literal heretics, as I've already said. But beyond that, they would be outcasts in a relational community-based society. So these tight-knit family groups, 
that have been raised in temples and, and going to, to synagogue and being a, a part of, of this tight-knit community, all of a sudden for one of them to say, listen, I stood face to face with a human being breathing in and out with facial hair and hair on their head, much like my, well, probably different, um, clothes on their back. I looked into his eyes and I'm telling you, he was the son of God. What? What? This is unbelievable. You see, in this society, following Jesus was not a private decision. It wasn't, it wasn't like the way we function today. Like, I'm a Christian, but I don't tell anyone. Just, they know because I'm nice. Like, okay, well, there's a lot of people that are nice to your face, but you're never like, huh, that was a nice person. I bet they love the Lord. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we want to like live out our faith in some cryptic way. They simply didn't have the luxury of that. It was an all or nothing deal. Not a private decision, a big deal in their society. In fact, many would ultimately become martyrs, laying down their actual physical lives due to their confession in Jesus Christ as Lord. Listen, we don't understand true religious persecution in the United States today. We don't understand it. Make no mistake, this is a huge statement that Mark is making. If we move on to verses 4 through 5, it says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan. Confessing their sins. Sorry, I lost my spot for a second. Confessing their sins. This is a huge deal. This also goes against everything that Jewish customs would permit. That they would go out to a man in the wilderness to confess their sins. He doesn't have the authority to forgive their sins. There's so many things that are disruptive about what's taking place. And Mark is just saying, listen, this happened because Jesus was and is the Son of God. So, I, uh, I grew up thinking, you know, they're going out to the wilderness to be baptized. Every time I think of wilderness, I think of like the forest. I love going up to the high peaks. I love hiking. I love being in the woods. And so kind of in my mind's eye, when I think of wilderness, I think of this like wooded place with this river kind of rushing through it. And this man out there just calling to people as this crowd comes out. But that's not what it looked like. In fact, wilderness, in, when it's translated the way that it was intended, we, the closest word we have is wilderness, but it actually could be described as a barren desert. A barren desert. So these people are being called out to a barren desert in a society that has been raised to believe that God is only available in a temple. You see, if you wanted to encounter God on any level, you had to go through a cleansing process where you'd literally wash your hands in holy water and there's a process you would go through that would involve sacrifices and, and then you could go into a, a, an outer room of the presence of God, knowing that he comes and resides behind a curtain because God's presence is too holy for us mere humans flawed with sin. And yet we see 
a shift here. We see a, a, a disruption happening where a society that's been raised to think this way, now they're going out. These people are going to a place of hunger, a place of thirst, a place of even death to pursue God. Why? Why? Like, just because it was the cool thing? Because it wasn't the cool thing. They were risking everything. They were walking away from their known lives. I'll tell you why. Because God wasn't an add-on to them. God wasn't in addition to everything else in their lives. He wasn't an add-on. God wasn't something that they added to their homework assignments, to their to-do lists, or to their kids' sporting schedules. Like, we're going to go here, and we're going to go there, and then we're going to do this for a second online, and, and then we got this to go. God's just an add-on. No. He was their source. He was their everything. He was their answer. Jesus was their answer. So they walked away from their known, from their tried, from their comfort, from their safety, and they pursued God in the wilderness. They pursued him in the desert, in the barren place. They risked it all. If you've been with Centerway as we've journeyed through Hebrews, then you remember that in Hebrews we talked about how we meet God in the wilderness, how God was present in the wilderness. Isn't that interesting? Like Moses encountered God in the wilderness, in the barren desert. Jacob encountered God in the wilderness, in the barren desert. God's present in the desert. Isn't that interesting? We spend so much of our lives trying to, to avoid deserts, to avoid wilderness, to, to avoid difficulty in our lives. And yet, in Scripture, we see that that's the place he's present. Why? Because it's only in the desert that we can find no other source. It's only when we get to the end of everything we can conjure up that we finally say, okay, God, it's either you or I'm not making it. Moses and Jacob had encounters with God in the desert of their lives. Listen, if you're in a desert and you've looked to other things as your source, You've run as, as news has come about, as, as different things has come, have come your way. And sometimes it's the news of cancer. It's the news of broken relationship. It's the news of pandemic. It's all the news, all the things that rock our foundations. And if you're in a desert and you've looked to other things as your source and you've come to the end of yourself, then you need to realize the answer you've been searching for is God. It's only found in God. It was always in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And maybe, listen, you're going to be tempted. <laughs> if you've been exposed to church for any amount of time, you're going to be tempted to be like, okay, I got it. I got it. I know the answers. I know the answers. I just need to, to be better. I need to work harder. I need to, to be Christian better. I get it. Jesus just shouldn't be part of an add-on to my life. I, I need to work better at that. But listen, John the Baptist is quoted here in verse 8. says, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, again, let me explain something in culture because this is a rather significant statement. Gentiles converting to Judaism would have to self-immerse their entire bodies in water in order to convert to Judaism. 
It was a symbol. It was a symbol of, of them doing the ultimate cleanse of their Gentileness in order to be converted to Judaism. That was the only time up until this point that you see anything even resembling the potential of a baptism. In fact, the only time Jews used any type of water cleansing was in the process of cleansing as they were going into a temple or if they had been unclean in some way, come in contact according to some of the rules of their Jewish culture, they would have to go through a self-cleansing process where they would have to wash certain parts of their body in order to be cleansed. John the Baptist was saying something super disruptive and completely out of what appeared to be left field. He's saying, I don't care about your ethnicity. I don't care about your socioeconomic status. I, John, have to immerse you in water to cleanse you. (laughs) Something radical is happening here. The act of purification before God was always something you did. But now John is saying, no, this is different. Water baptism is a symbol of the old and the former self dying and a new you being born again as you come up out of that water. But he's saying even more than that. He's saying that although it's a symbol of the old being cleansed and the new coming to life, he's also saying it's a symbol that you can't cleanse yourself. You can't do it yourself. That's what John's saying. For the first time in their culture, he's saying, somebody else has to cleanse you. And they're like, what? No, I I cleanse myself. Like, I get it. I have to immerse myself. No, no, no. You can't cleanse yourself. And by the way, you can't cleanse yourself symbolically, but there's one coming after me who's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And he's going to bring real and true life. See, the point is you can't save yourself. You can't save yourself. John baptizes as a symbol in water, but Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and give life and the answers that you're searching for. We're all searching for a source that will bring us life while we try to avoid the desert and wilderness of our lives. But in avoiding the wilderness, you avoid needing a true source. And so you and I, we remain the Lord of our own lives. Listen, the tragic truth is you can go through the motions of spirituality while trying to save yourself. I got it. I got this thing. I'm doing the right things. But Jesus died for your sins and mine. And he is the only one that can save. Get this. Jesus went into the wilderness and lost his relationship with God on a cross. He died a death that you and I deserve so that when we are in the wilderness of our lives and the desert places, we can find a relationship with the living God. Jesus did what we could not do for us. And that changes everything. He's the answer to all of your questions. Will you truly surrender to him? And stop positioning yourself as as the center of your world. Will you truly remove him as an add-on and put him right in the center? Because verse 10 through 11 says this. As Jesus is being baptized, he comes up and it says, And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open. 
you know, Mark talks again about the heavens being torn open. And it's when Jesus breathes his last on the cross. And the, the temple is torn in two. The, the, the curtain that blocks us and keeps us from the Holy of Holies is torn from the top down. And the heavens are rent. They're torn. And this says, the spirit descended upon him like a dove. This is calling back, again, to Jewish readers, is calling back to the original creation where it says that the Holy Spirit came across the earth fluttering, is what the Hebrew word says, similar to a dove. And a voice from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. We have a, a theological picture that's beautiful here. It's, it's incredible. It's much deeper than we can spend time on today. It's a proof text for, for the Trinity, the, the reality that in one moment, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are present and yet distinct. It's incredible. C.S. Lewis talks about how it's a dance that we see, that it's this selfless community, that the triune God functions in selfless community as a model of what we were actually created to be and do. That we wouldn't live for self in the center of our world, but we would actually have a dance with God himself. That the Lord would dance over us, right? And so if God is the center, then we're free to selflessly live on mission. It changes our perspective. It changes our everything. So what will you choose today? Will you remain the center of your really busy life? Going through the spiritual obligations and motions that this life has to offer? Or, or, or will you allow this Jesus, God himself, to disrupt your everything? to cause you to question everything you know to be true and all the while be the answer. That in the wilderness and the dark places and the lonely moments of your life, when you've come to the end of yourself, say, okay, God, will you come and meet me in this place? We say all the time that the text requires something of us. And so this is a question I want you to consider as we wrap up this morning. What is one act of selflessness God is asking me to carry out? What is one act of selflessness God is asking me to carry out? Now that might seem a lot like, hey, try harder, you know, go be selfless. You can do this. Like, even though you want that candy bar, share it with someone. <laughs> Not talking about that. Talking about something far deeper. Talking about you allowing the truth and the reality of the person and work of Jesus Christ to mess with you so much at the core of who you are that he's no longer an add-on and that it actually affects the way you interact with every person. That it informs your marriage. That it informs your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend. That it informs the relationship you have with your parents, your siblings, your coworkers, your friends. That it's literally disruptive that you become a person that is selfless because God himself modeled that, not only in the Trinity, but also in the way he came to the earth and surrendered everything he's entitled to so that we could walk in freedom, that we could be set free. So maybe this morning, 
The act of selflessness is to remove yourself from the center of your life and to allow God to be the Lord and leader of your life. If that's you, I want to challenge you, wherever you may be, if you're watching live, that you're welcome to push the request prayer button and someone can walk you through this conversation. If you're watching or listening later, just simply pray a prayer this simple, Lord, I know you died a death that I deserve. I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me of my sins and come and be the Lord and leader of my life? It starts there. We'd love to hear from you if you prayed that prayer. I want to challenge you to reach out to us so that we can talk to you about next steps. For others of you, maybe the selfless act is to go public with the private decision you've made. To say, you know what, maybe this isn't something I should just keep to myself. I have to go public with this. And so I want to challenge you to to sign up for water baptism on our website. We'd love to to inform you about it next time we have that available to do a water baptism. And if you're interested, we can go ahead and begin to create that list. And so I want to challenge you, if you haven't gone public with the decision you've made, to explore that as a possible next step and application to this message this morning. For others of you, being uh, kind of uh, selfless with the way that you approach others and the mission Uh, that Jesus has called you to be a part of is to be an influencer, to be unapologetic in the way that you function with your coworkers and loved ones. Maybe willing to share your story and risk some, some, uh, I don't know, discomfort to say, hey, I want to share this message with you. Or can I tell you about how God walked me through that darkest part of my life? Maybe an application for you is to be willing to take a next step in your spiritual journey, surrender some of your pride, and move forward. I don't pretend to know, but I know that the Holy Spirit is faithful and just and speaking to your heart right now about what application looks like. But don't just kind of shrug it off. Wrestle with it. Wrestle with it this morning. Let's pray together as we consider what it is that the Lord might be speaking to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you choose to be present, that you choose to be in relationship with us, that you love us enough to send your son, and that your son loved us enough to go to the cross and to die a death that we deserve. And so, Lord, we, we simply declare ourselves available. Father, would you, would you breathe life, influencing insight and boldness into our hearts and lives, Lord, that we would join you on mission, that we wouldn't treat you like an add-on, but that you would show us the areas of our lives that need to be clarified and refocused so that you could be the center and the answer to the questions we're asking. Lord, we declare ourselves available. I pray specifically for those of us that are in a wilderness season right now. Lord, I pray that you would show up in profound and dramatic ways, that you would reveal yourself to be a God of love and provision and hope and joy. Father, that you would be present in their lives for your glory and our joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope to see you at our celebration today if you're watching live. Um, At the very least, I hope that you choose to join us next week as we continue in our journey of questions and answers as we move through Mark. Hope to see you next week. Hi there, I'm Meredith. Thanks for gathering with us this morning. Centerway Church, it is one of our greatest joys to lead this amazing church. We love what God is building here and we love that we get to be a part of it. 
One of the specific things that we love is being part of a gospel-centered community that isn't here just to check a box, but we desire real transformation in ourselves and in the world. And we're committed to keeping that part of the culture of our church family. And that's one of the reasons that we always have an application question, so that there's something to consider all throughout the week, so that we don't just hear a message and then move on. And that's what we encourage you to do. Do something with the word that you just heard. Don't just hear it and move on. In a moment, we're going to worship together through song, but singing is not the only way to worship. There are many ways to respond to the scripture text and many ways to worship this week as you respond to the gospel. As for worshiping together through song, no worries if you're watching or listening to the message later. You can find the songs that we're about to sing on Spotify, search Centerway Church, and look for our questions and answer playlist. For those gathered on the online platform, we'll see you live on Facebook or Instagram in just a few minutes. And immediately after that, uh, head over to Victor Municipal Park for our two-year celebration. All the details are on the calendar page of our website. We can't wait. <laughs>